Hello and welcome to Popmosis Film, the podcast that dares to ask a question. What happens when you digitize a writer, a fan, and a critic? Import those three people to the Super Nintendo. That is the question we have for the day. So we are going to talk about a film called Mortal Kombat today. But even before we begin, I want to talk to you guys. So what was your first experience with the video game? Before we get to the film, we're going to kind of go back in time. And what was your first experience with the video game? What do you think? So I am joined by Paul and Tyler. I didn't mention who we're with here today. I'm ahead of myself because I'm so excited to talk about this movie. <laughs> At least that- one of us is. Well, I'm, oh. yeah. <laughs> so let's just go back in time. We'll start with you, Paul. Oh, all right. So my first experience was basically playing it on the arcade, and it was kind of the antithesis to Street Fighter. You know, there's like blood and guts and fatalities and, and whatnot. And uh, I was super excited to get it on Super Nintendo, but then uh, there was no blood, right? And so what you had to do is get a game Genie to get a, the, they had the blood code to make it like, you know, uh, regular Mortal Kombat. Um, and yeah, basically I was just playing in the arcade uh, and it was like the edgy game. It was like controversial, which kind of uh, like brought, gave it more allure because it was different and violent and risque, I guess. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I remember specifically, uh, I'm such a nerd. I I, uh, I really like the mythology of Mortal Kombat. So I actually went and found the screen and found this uh, you could actually order a comic book from the cabinet. So I wrote down, I had a pen and paper, went to the arcade, and I wrote down the address and ordered the comic book. And I still have it to this day. And wow. it goes into the mythology of oh, uh, Mortal snap. Kombat 1 and 2. And actually, it uh, it kind of gives you a backstory between 1 and 2. So it's 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 wow. actually done by John Tobias and Ed Boon. And it's uh, amazing. So... I had no idea. Yeah, I had no idea. So, wow, that's crazy. I, I have to see this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I could maybe send scans or something uh, at some point. So, but, Tyler, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's. Oh, go, go ahead, Paul. No, you have more. Sorry, buddy. Oh, yeah, no, uh, yeah, it was just it, it's it's funny. I felt like such a nerd though because I went to the I actually <laughs> went to the arcade. I had my mom drop me off, and I was like, I need to get that address so that I can you know buy that comic book. I I like told my mom to write a check. So she wrote a check and mailed it. And six weeks later, I get these two comic books for Mortal Kombat 1 and 2. It tells you the time that this happened, that you had to go and write these things down. Now, yeah, I'll take a proto, picture on my phone. Yeah, this is proto-internet. This is proto-internet. Yeah. Like, right. And ba- uh, Fax it in and then send 10 stamps. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I had to convince my mom to write a check. And she's like, I don't know. That's a violent game. I don't think that would be right. But I'm like, no, no, no. It's a comic book. It's, uh, <laughs> You're like, know, no, mom. It's a violent comic, comic book. It's, it's different. A, it's, a com- it's not the same. Like, don't worry about it. It's like, okay, okay. That comic book's violent. You should read, like, Moon Knight or Daredevil. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Too really violent. That's violence <laughs> and, like, alcoholism and all these other things going on in these Yeah, comics. right. That's so, enough for me, the elderly man. Go lawyers. Ahead, Tyler. Go. So Tyler is the, the, the interesting to me because Tyler's a little bit. Paul and I are pretty much the same age. Paul's a little bit older than me, and Tyler's the the young kid on the podcast compared to us. But <laughs> <laughs> so it's just interesting to see where Those you two. came into the Mortal Kombat picture. Okay, so I was not really allowed to play video games. Uh, video games were kind of like. Uh, not like religious reasons or anything like that. My my parents, I, I was severely ADHD, so that, I think they were just worried about like anything, like maybe setting me off and like making me worse, I guess. And so, like video games were just a no no unless they were like educational. Uh, however, uh, N sixty four, we used to rent it out at Blockbuster when I was good. When I would get a report card, my grades were good, or my parents just really needed a weekend for me just to leave them alone. And, uh, and they would, we would go to Blockbuster and rent it in 64. And I would always get, um, a, a couple games. I'd always get, um, uh, Super Smash Brothers. And I would always get either GoldenEye or I would get Mortal Kombat Trilogy. And, um, I, I've always loved Mortal Kombat. I really, really love the mythology of it. Uh, and so I've always been a huge fan of it. I got to see this movie. With my, uh, with, uh, I watched it with my half sister when I was younger, and because it was not as violent, it was it was the VHS release because this movie came out in '95. I was only seven at the time, 
And so uh, I think I watched like around 97, 98. Anyway, so um, I, I got to watch the movie and I remember being a kid and being extremely disappointed in the movie because the game is very violent and very gory and everything else. And the movie was not. So this was actually one of the few movies that actually disappointed me as a child where I wow. was like, this is a bad movie. Not because it was boring, not because of this or that. It was like my first time as a kid being like this movie is a bad film <laughs> i understood what a bad film was wow crazy <laughs> and that's really bad for like a nine-year-old oh i feel so bad a poor disappointed nine-year-old tyler just like what in maybe the world? you would have liked it at seven you just saw it too video late. games were outlawed video- yeah right yeah. yeah video games were outlawed and i was like yeah i gotta get that that gore fixed and then i watched this movie and was like hmm well, let me see. The, the art direction was atrocious. Um. We'll, we'll talk about that more uh, more extensively. For me, uh, the way I kind of came into Mortal Kombat was uh, I heard about the arcade game. At this point, I, I played Street Fighter. There was a, a skating rink called the Chess Arena in Cheswick, PA. And the Chess Arena, I, w I was bad at roller skating. So I would go play the arcade games when all the other kids were roller skating. I would play Street Fighter 2. And then I heard about this other fighting game from the kids, and it was realistic looking, and it was really violent, and that was how it was sold to me. It was like you were watching real people kill each other. That was like how it was described to me as a kid. So the hype for it was intense. When I played it, it was actually a little bit of a letdown because it wasn't what I thought. But I loved it. In particular for me, it was Mortal Kombat 2 on the Sega Genesis. I didn't have the Super Nintendo that little Super Nintendo reference was actually for Paul, who was a Super Nintendo guy. And totally. um. I had the Sega Genesis, so I got all the blood right away, right out of the box. <laughs> but we played, I remember with my cousins, we played Mortal Kombat 2. And even as a kid, I made, I, I would love to find a copy of it. It's my parents' house somewhere. We made our own Mortal Kombat movie where it was just us fighting each other, with it, which probably about as much plot as this feature film has. It's probably better than this movie, too. Note to Tyler, splice the footage in. <laughs> and our fights were just was in camera. Everything you saw was real. Not all this editing that they did. Was it real bad? So that was how I came into it and how I experienced it. Just basically on the Sega Genesis. I, I'm sure I played the arcade at some point, but I don't recall when. I remember playing the Street Fighter arcade a lot. So the game itself was uh, developed by uh, John Tobias and Ed Boon, as Paul mentioned. Those two guys, they were big fans of Big Trouble in Little China, Enter the Dragon, these martial arts type movies that you really yeah. see the influence really, really heavily. Oh my God, yes. And uh, so they were working for Midway. And one of the crazy things is I, they had like six months to make this game. And they're basically their goal was to make the anti-Street Fighter. And that's what they worked towards to make the game that was more real. I mean, realistic by those standards, even though the violence was very over the top. But in its time, it was very controversial. Uh, I was going to, oh, I had my other joke that I forgot about was this. We were talking jokingly about sponsors for this podcast. And I've been watching a lot of Sesame Street because I have little kids. This podcast is brought to you by the letter M for mature because the video game ratings, <laughs> this is one of the games that really made that a thing that was necessary. And I remember that as a kid, it was a big deal. My parents were never like restrictive in that, in that sense. Basically, I think because by the time it got to me, they cared a little bit less. Not that they didn't care, but I'm the bottom of four, right? I have three older brothers. So by the time with me, they're like, eh, whatever happens, happens. That's just, usually the opposite where the other kids are just like, oh, yeah, what were their names again? But then, like, anything like you, you know, you trip. You're like, oh, my baby. Oh, my God. Are you okay? Are you going to live? I need a doctor. He's going to die. Like, yeah. Like, I, as a parent, I'll say, like, the first kid, I was way more nervous with everything with Penny and with, with Prim. She's like, yeah, whatever. She'll be fine. And she, like, rolls off the bed, which she did yesterday. <laughs> Felt bad about that one, though, because she's too little for that to yeah. happen. She was trying to crawl over me while the other kid was on me. So they, basically, like we said, they and one of the cool things was that interesting to me was one of the movies that influenced them was Bloodsport. And when they were developing it, they reached out to Jean-Claude Van Damme to to actually be in the game as his own self. And he declined. I've read different things. I think he probably declined because Universal Soldier was coming out at the time and there was going to be a video game with that. So he didn't want to like sort of double dip. That's what I've heard. And one little nugget that I haven't been able to confirm, I've read, but it might just be rumored that he turned down being in the feature film version, ironically, to be in Street Fighter, which then featured him as a digitized fighter. So it kind of came full circle in a really weird way. So from what I had heard, he was already casted in Street Fighter. And when they said because like Johnny Cage is 
Yeah, uh, Jean Claude Van Damme. That that was their whole it, idea. It's, of it's exactly Cage. him from Bloodsport. Down to like the, yeah. the movie does where he punches yeah, the, him in the, the balls. Dick punch. Yeah, yeah, totally. The outfit, yeah. Anyway, for me, like I said, the fatalities were legendary before the game. So let's talk about the film. We're finally getting to there. So it was released on August 18th, 1995, directed by Paul W.S. Anderson, who did uh, Boogie Nights, Magnolia, There Will Be Blood. Oh, wait. Yep. No. <laughs> Paul Thomas Anderson. No, no that, was, the that funny... was his brother. That was his brother. It's hilarious that there's such diametrically opposed filmmakers yeah, with such similar names. <laughs> Oh, no, yeah. I have another mix-up. So I remember when I saw the trailer for Resident Evil, and it focused on the WS, and I thought it says Wes Anderson. And I was like, <laughs> oh, wow, Wes Anderson. I guess he could do a Resident Evil film. And then I realized it was Paul W.S. Anderson. I was like, I'm so confused. But every time I want, they have I his want, name on there, I just I, get that confused. Wait, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I... Now more than ever, I want a Resident Evil Wes Anderson movie. Like where just Bill Murray just comes in as like the witty guy who just comes in who has the answer, like like the whole plot at the end of the movie, and you're just like a chase scene. Gwyneth Paltrow is like a sarcastic zombie that just yeah. hates her life. <laughs> if Gene Hackman. I want that movie. So and anyway, getting back to Paul Thomas Anderson. I mean, ah, Paul W. S. Anderson. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Paul W.S. Anderson, who at the time, like this, he was on a bit of a hot streak. He had Event Horizon and Soldier, which I think is a pretty good film. Though that and Event Horizon, they're they're, compared to what he he later became the Resident Evil guy and a lot like Pompeii. And just, it's, I think. Don't you dare forget about the the amazing uh, Three Musketeers movie that he made. Oh, I missed that one. But there was a lot more promise at the beginning of his career, I think. And so it was written by Kevin Droney. And uh, from what I understand, the original script was, in fact, rated R. So, And we'll get to that in more depth. And uh, Mr. Roney wrote a lot of 80s and 90s TV, including Jake and the Fat Man, which I remember as a kid. I never oh, saw the shit. show. I haven't heard that in a long time. I know, but I'm like, oh my gosh, oh, Jake yeah. and the Fat Man. No, like, my what? dad was into that. My dad was into <laughs> really. Jake and the Fat Man. Yeah, I have never heard of this. I've never was a seen it, but it was a big thing at that time. Um, <laughs> so he also wrote Mortal Kombat The Journey Begins, which was an animated... I assume it was like meant to be a pilot for a cartoon, but then it was just like a direct-to-video animated thing. And it, uh, as a kid, I owned that. And ironically, it featured like 3D like animated fight sequences before that was a thing for Mortal Kombat. And he also wrote another very infamous, com- uh, not comic book, video game film in Wing Commander. So another uh, film that could you talk about in the future. It had a budget of $18 million, opened at $23 million, made $70 million in the U.S. and $122 million globally. So, that is the specs on Mortal Kombat. So, my first question for you, and we'll just have our free-flowing conversation after this. Who is art, and why do we care about art? Um, Whoa. this is not art. No, the character <laughs> of art in this movie. Wait, well, what? I'm so confused. I'm so confused. You guys don't remember art? Oh yes, the character that he created for the movie, and they're like when he died, everybody was really sad. And oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, the, uh... even though okay. no one interacts with that guy, <laughs> other than well, like, oh, so is, he, is he the is he the one, the first one that got his soul sucked out? Is that the guy? No, that's no, just some other random was, dude. It was, it was the one he died. Uh, the Goro's art? first fight. Goro's first fight. Who's art? I'm lost. It's fine. So there's, um, a, there's a scene early on when let me, on the... let, let me say this. This movie has a lot of issues that have nothing to do with characters they created for this movie. In fact, my favorite character was a, was, a, was a character that's not from the games at all in this movie. And I'll talk about that in a little bit when I do not uh, interrupt. Go ahead, that. have at it. This is a character oh, question. Oh, no. I, I'm, okay. Okay, so... Well, let's let's... let's I was thinking like we should have like the real discussion of like of like wh- how how did this ad- adaptation like really live up? How were these characters and everything like that? And this this movie's a mess. This movie to me is a straight up mess. It it's 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 quasi okay. So I'm one of those Mortal Kombat fans where I appreciate the old ones. It's just now I love the new ones so much. I love what the new ones have brought. I love every single game since nine. Like to me, Mortal Kombat is Mortal Kombat nine current. It's it's they we finally have an actual storyline, an actual story arc. We have the real realms and stuff. My favorite 
Mortal Kombat game is actually still deception because of the RPG element. You got to go to the different realms, talk to different people, see tribes of of uh, of like Baraka's people, and uh, you know go around meeting all these people, know more about the Elder Gods like Shinnok and stuff like that. It was really cool. And this movie came into this realm where you had some mythology from like a cartoon, some comic books, and what was in text in the game. And that's all they had to work with. The movie is not bad because of story. Honestly, I think they did a an okay job with it. The characters are kind of fine. But the thing is, like, the fighting sucks. And if the fighting sucks in a movie that's all about fighting, then I hate the characters. And then I don't care about anything. And, like, in the movie, there are two good fights. And that's it. Like, honestly. And on, and they're edited terribly. But they're they're the only ones where it actually feels like there's weight to them. Uh, and there's, there's, it's, and it's, it's the ending fight with Liu Kang and Shang Tsung. And, uh, and then it's actually the one with the sticks with Liu Kang. It's the only two fights where there's weight to it, where the act, where the fighters are trying their hardest. Like there's like, it's, you know, like they're hitting, they're hitting those sticks hard. And that, that stunt guy that Liu Kang is fighting is, is unbelievable. But the fight was fantastic. And that's, that was the peak of the movie for me. And that's my favorite character is the black guy that he fights and is legitimately trying his hardest in this movie where him and Liu Kang, I believe, are the only ones in this movie. Um, and then Shang Tsung, like, like, th- like those are the only three actors. This, those are the three actors that I think tried the hardest or at least were good in this movie. So Nobody what do, else what do you was think good. Of, it takes Johnny... us, real quick, it takes us 40 <laughs> minutes to get to the film and the first, we're now, it's the first fight of Mortal Kombat and that fight, what we're seeing is some character we don't know. What do you think of that? That's why I was bringing the character of our oh, question well, in. So in order to different well, character, but what, I like, have to say that that character kind of looked like DJ from Street Fighter so I thought it was like a crossover and I enjoyed it in that way because he had the dreadlocks and everything. If that was so intentional, like, then it becomes cool. awesome. If that's yeah. what they're going. No, for. we're talking about art again. I mean, okay, no, I okay, no. I, I'm 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 honestly I'm fine with like new characters. Like, I don't know if you remember Hellboy. Like, the main character of Hellboy is not really in the comics, or he's not in the comics at all. Like, he's just kind of like ah, I'm there. Um, I think that's fine because he was friends. He brought like Sonya Blade together. It was like him, Jax, and like. He was kind of there to kind of also, they just gave Sonya, like, nothing to do. Her whole thing was, like, I'm here for Kano. And then that's just her on repeat throughout the entire movie about Kano, 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 Kano. I'm like, oh, my fucking God, we get it. You're at, you're, you're here for Sang Sung. We get it. I'm just kidding. That was a joke. I'm sorry. Uh, failure. And, um, but, yeah, and so, like, I think art was effective. And also, they were so afraid. It's clear how afraid they were to kill any character so every character that needed to die could not be from the game. They were so terrified of killing people off for, for potential sequels. They killed the I'm brother assuming. of Liu Kang. I, I think, you know, from... This is actually the it first time I saw this movie. not even Kung Lao, which is annoying. Sorry. Yeah, with the hat. Uh, yeah, I, I found it kind of... This is the first time I've seen this movie. I found it kind of hilarious how it starts off... Like, he has a, Liu Kang has a fever dream of his brother getting killed. And they have that really shitty CGI sky. That's like about, and then like he wakes up in a fever dream, and it's like this green filter, and he gets a telegram, and it's like, "This is from grandfather, brother dead," <laughs> and that's it. And I was thinking, "Wow, I didn't, you know, they don't have phones. Like telegrams are kind of like very 1895, like you know, 1995. You think you'd get a phone call? Well, they're or like over in the monastery or whatever. They they probably oh I know, don't have but at phone, the time, so. you know, like the Dalai Lama, like he knows how to." you know, surf the internet and stuff like that. I thought they would have, you know, some kind of semblance of technology. Since the but... guy who started this episode, by talking about how he had to write down the address for the arcade, is criticizing <laughs> the level of there technology. Was, uh, there, there's a deleted <laughs> scene of a, uh, where they where they had a, a singogram, but they killed him <laughs> when he started singing. So that was, it was, it was the backup. It was the backup letter. But anyway, it's, it's like, it's like finding out your brother died on text message. Like, and <laughs> The, I, I know, think that's a so good bizarre. filmic way to present that information. To be frank, and you get that information across oh, really? quickly and concisely, and know what what that that's means. True. I thought that was good. I thought that the film, one thing it did well is establish the characters that we know from Mortal Kombat pretty quickly. We understand yes, who they absolutely. are really quickly. I thought that worked really well. The problem was that for me, in terms of the 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 movie going forward, is 
having the other characters art for example he needs he needs a little bit more to to make the plot make sense i understand like tyler had a good point mm-hmm. i didn't even think of it it's like yeah they definitely don't want to kill off any of the characters from the game so they created a, a character we can kill off but the problem is you have to then make the audience care about him. The only character we see interact mm-hmm. with Art is Johnny Cage. And then whenever he's dying, yep. they're all like, oh, Art, no! And they're all screaming it. But the other people, we don't even know that they've met Art. So yep. I just, I felt that it was, uh, a, a, like, it hurt what you were trying to do when clearly you're you're telegraphing it. And the, this movie does that a lot, where it telegraphs a lot of things. Because it's kind of like, okay, here are things that worked in other movies, but we're going to take bits and pieces of them and kind of and smoosh them together and see what comes out. Yeah. So that's kind of what <sighs> I was getting at with, with art. Paul, and uh, Tyler actually kind of went Sorry. right where I was. No, you went, I you went right where I was going, actually. And that's kind of totally what I forgot to get at. who was art. No, I totally I, forgot. I, 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 and I was like, wait, what? I felt exactly. stumped. And I was like, of, uh, is that a trick question? Holy that's part shit. of what I was going for, but at the same time, the fact that you forgot who was the character that was supposed to be, like, in a sense, the emotional core of the movie, that tells you there's a big flaw in that movie. Yeah. And I'm a fan. I like this movie. I like this movie a lot. I still like this movie. I, oh, I admit that it's bad but it's I, I when we were texting about this back and forth i was like well it's fun bad and i and i and i enjoy it i when yeah, i, I saw it i thought it was that. good at the time i liked it at the time i'm i might have seen it in the theater i'm not sure i can't recall but i enjoyed it and i liked it i owned it on vhs like i owned the copy of this movie mm-hmm. i was really big into mortal kombat the early games and all that stuff i didn't fall i've I, I it's kind of one of the things i lost touch with after that i've never played any of the 3d fighter mortal kombats ever other than oh wow maybe four yeah i just it's one of, i can't uh, tell no, you actually why. i'm in the same boat i um like the oh last one God. i really went into was uh, ultimate mk3 when they brought like scorpion and all the characters that they kind of excluded from mortal kombat 3 it's not mortal, the, pa- uh, mortal kombat trilogy or oh, trinity 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 no 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 it's ultimate <laughs> mk3 uh that they oh. upgraded mk like mortal kombat 3 and they added like Scorpion oh. and certain characters that weren't in the original Mortal Kombat three. They were either like, yeah, there were, there were characters that weren't so, in that one, or that were like the hidden secret characters because that's a thing that they did in the yeah. early arcade games. Because mm. a lot of people complained, they wrote letters and they're like, "Hey, where's Scorpion? Hey, where's this Raiden?" Yeah, yeah, Scorpion um, wasn't. What's up with that? <laughs> yeah, it was bizarre. So that's uh, and then when I went to three D, um, there's a lot of growing pains in terms of like three D fighters. Like they, the mechanics were kind of goofy. And that's when Mortal Kombat lost me, and uh, and then I didn't go back into it because yeah, they um, had a lot of miss. They had a lot of misses, which is why they rebooted. <laughs> yeah, I, I just think uh, you know, looking back again, this is I was really into Mortal Kombat back in you know when I was a kid, and for some for some reason or another, I just never saw this movie until recently, until today actually, and uh, I don't have like the nostalgic attachment to it, and I think it's it's horrible. Like I understand what they're trying to do with it. They're trying to do like the Enter the Dragon kind of framework with Mortal Kombat, but uh looking at this with like a critical eye, it was like, yeah, the fighting was awful. Uh I think when you make a very R rated game, PG thirteen, it, it it loses its edge. Um no character dies. There's no like dramatic weight to the story. Uh and in fact like what what bothered me is that they didn't have like a story thread that threaded through the tournament. Like they didn't have anything like, like imagine if if Luke Kane was trying to find his brother, you know, and he's doing investigation. Well, he was. That was the whole thing. Is he? he well, he was, his brother was revenge. already dead. It was revenge. revenge. Or like seeking. Yeah. He, or, you know, like, I don't know. I, I just think they should have had some kind of story thread that coincided with the tournament to kind yeah. of round out. Because like the movie was just basically fighting, fighting, fighting. It was like one fight here, and next another fight, and it kind of dulls your senses. One of the things, though, like with sometimes that, like... those movies do work, though. That 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 can work for a film. The thing is, is like where I think that this movie fails is like there's just so much on the line, and it's like, why don't you just have a tournament? Who cares about death? Like honestly, I think this movie would have been fine if they actually didn't kill anybody, and like they kind of saved that for the sequel, where the sequel was like, okay, that was a fun little tournament. Now the shit starts. Like more of just character-driven people just being like, I'm just here to test myself, and blah 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 blah. And Shang Tsung maybe doesn't die in the end, and they're just kind of like, okay, cool. 
that was really, really, really cute. Here's now here's here are real fighters, and then like you see a portal and like Baraka, like horrifying monsters, like the really fucked up fighters come in. Like, cool. You know, let's actually, do it again. Basically, uh, you're kind of going off of what I was thinking, in that um, in order to make the tournament interesting, they should have raised the stakes. Like, start off them going to the tournament, and it's kind of mundane. Like, they have regular fighters. And yeah. then Shang Tsung, like, sucks some guy's soul out, right? And they're like, holy shit, he's sucking the guy's soul? What the fuck? Like, like what? Like they're confused by, or they're like, surprised by the supernatural elements. And then he brings yes. Goro, and then, he, you know, like, he further yeah. escalated to make it they, much more... They uh, show their cards way too soon with Goro. Once you saw Goro on screen, you're just like, oh, okay. Like, yeah, no, like... Yeah. And and then um, yeah, I, I just would have liked it to have some kind of escalation where you're raising the stakes as the tournament proceeds, and the our heroes are overwhelmed. Like I never felt that uh, they were not going to succeed in the storyline, and I never felt like none. Of, I think one of them should have died just to make it just to raise the stakes and make it like, oh wow, uh, they're they're willing to take the chances and 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 kill like Johnny Cage or well Luke Kane or somebody. That's actually really funny, because the whole thing about Annihilation, the sequel, is that Johnny Cage was, got killed. And oh, yeah? I haven't seen it, actually. So. Yeah, it's, it's, even, it's infinitely worse than this movie, by the way. <laughs> infinitely worse. Yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, well, this, okay, the sequel is literally one, one of the worst movies of all time. Like, this, it is this movie times, like, a billion of worthlessness and too much characters. And, like, even, like, that's what, okay, I think that's the other thing why... I don't like this movie. I don't hate it, though. This movie, to me, is mediocre, to where it's not fun. That I don't think it's a bad movie. I just think it's a bad time, because you can't... It's hard to make fun of this movie, especially with the existence of the sequel. And because the sequel is literally one of the worst movies of all time. And, um, but yeah, I, I want to backtrack on what you were saying, Paul, because like you made a, like a good point about like the escalation, something like that. And they tried to do that with this movie. They did it to where like it was like a normal like Sonya Blade story, and like try to give her a whole story and seem like an arc. But it just and and then like and so they and they invite everybody. Shang Tsung is behind it, and you're like, oh, cool. Wonder what he, uh, blah blah blah. Like even if you don't know the the anything about the games, you would just be like, oh, this guy is kind of creepy and weird, and these and these people are gonna fight something. And you don't really know the stakes in it at all. And then you see a ship, and it gets like really weird. And you're like, "Whoa, where are they? Where are they going? What's this ship business?" But then, like, like what you were saying, like, then they just went like way too weird. Like when the sta- the statue becomes alive and turns into whatever that's supposed to be. That was and reptile, then they introduce, right? yeah, reptile. Yeah. And then and when, when but, did reptile become Oogie Boogie when he died? All those maggots I and know, like cockroaches like, came out. Yeah. I was like, watching that, I was like, I don't remember that when I from before, and it doesn't make any sense. Yeah, it's like he's the Oogie Boogie man. Penny would be that's yeah. Penny's favorite movie, Never Before Christmas. So, yeah, totally. But anyway, yeah, sorry, that's what I was saying. And like, and then Goro, Goro was just them going, "Here's full weird," and you, <laughs> you can't go full weird. That one of that the things quickly. that I think could have. Uh, sorry to interrupt, Tyler. There. No problem. Okay. One of the things I think would have like kind of going off of what you said is, is why I was yeah. in, um, impulsive to interrupt you was thinking of what could have fixed the movie in a lot of ways is get them to the tournament part sooner so that you can develop characters and raise those stakes within the tournament. That's kind of part of the problem. Yeah. It t- like I said, I, I think it takes 40 minutes before in the first fight of the tournament and it's not with someone from the tournament I just, I guess I wanted the very first fight. I want to see Scorpion fight some, you know, one of the main heroes or something. I get, I don't know. Yeah. Or, but maybe they just wanted to show us somebody die. But again, if, if somebody doesn't die in that first fight, then you can escalate the stakes. Like Paul said, then when Shang Tsung yeah. pulls that guy's soul out, it's even more dramatic. It's like, wait, he does that? It's like, we don't, we didn't know he did that. So, uh, I mean, a, a cooler thing, especially needs for, to be longer. for back then. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, another cool thing they could have done was focus on Scorpion being like the, um, you know, the fantastical element of it where, where like everything, yeah, it's like everybody's normal and then Scorpion, somebody's fighting Scorpion and then the thing comes out of his hand and he, and he basically kills somebody and it's the first death and everyone says like, whoa, what the fuck is that? What the shit? And then Scorpion is the introduction to, 
to everything, and then Sub-Zero, and then it just leads up to Goro. Yeah. It, it really bummed me out how, like, uh, what is it, Shang Tsung had uh, Sub-Zero and Scorpion as, like, he was <laughs> um, controlling them or whatever, and I was yeah. like, man, that's such a, like, that's, uh, such a great story element in the games where, like, Scorpion is trying to seek revenge on uh, Sub-Zero, and he, like, yep. enters a tournament, and he's, like, this demon, you know, and Sub-Zero's <sighs> like, basically so many a, a good guy that's... that. You know, like, Sub-Zero's the good guy. He's, like, he's supposed to be with Johnny Cage and Luke Kane. He's one of the good guys. And, like, you could have Scorpion kind of chase him Sub-Zero down. Sub-Zero 2 is the good guy. Sub-Zero 1 is kind of a dick. Well, because the... <laughs> oh, yeah, because that one is the one that killed Scorpion, right? The original Scorpion. Uh, his... And then, and then mm-hmm. Scorpion, like, made a deal in Hell or whatever to become a demon and, and go after um, yeah. Sub-Zero. But, like, the Sub-Zero... Then, yeah. The Sub-Zero in the game, I think, is a good guy, right? Uh, the one that's if if I if I remember if I remember everything correctly, Sub Zero Two is the one because Sub Zero One dies in the first game. The next one is his son. His son takes over the realm, and then the second oh, game so- is also where they introduce reptile as like actual an actual reptile. Oh, okay. So. Um, yeah, I, I just but that rivalry between Scorpion and Sub Zero is a great story point. And that would be great to put that in the movie, but they don't. So being an 80s kid, 80s, 90s kid, I always likened that to uh, Snake Eyes and Storm Shadow and G.I. Joe, right? These mm. two ninjas who have this great rivalry. And I like I always saw that totally. it, they, neither one was bad or good. I know that one like killed like there's the backstory, but they were just kind of like opposed to each other. And that's kind of like Storm Shadow is a cobra, not because he's bad, because he's opposed to Snake Eyes. And I feel like that's the biggest fault in this movie. Shang Tsung's like, they are mind controlled. And that's all you get. And they get no character whatsoever. Not even a hint of that backstory. And this movie loves to be like expository with everything. Where it's like, that is the emperor's daughter who is a thousand years old. And they just throw these lines out there that would never naturally be said in any setting whatsoever. But then they don't give you information that you need to further the plot. At times, so it's like the most expositional movie ever. That's uselessly expositional. It's, it doesn't explain things sequel. well enough. What was that? Until the sequel. Yeah. <laughs> and then you're just like, oh my god, they double down. They go, you want exposition? Oh, we'll give you some exposition. Because this like, movie, I think, is fairly competently acted. I think the acting's pretty good overall. Like all the characters, I believe them. But like them, yeah. Johnny Cage. Uh, well, he does. He, do, he does his best with his lines. Oh my god, his lines are so <laughs> bad, even for nineties. I, I, mean, I so, disagree. The actor who plays Sonya so Blade is really awful, but Robin Shu as Liu Kang, he's not great. He's, but he's, he, he's, but he's very he's sincere. Good, yeah. So yes, I hate his uh, haircut. I think, his haircut I think they're crazy. all super stiff, and I like his mullet. Oh. I like that Liu Kang mullet. I think that's pretty cool. But yeah, no, I think they're all stiff. The only one I think oh. that really embodies the character is um, is Shang Tsung, uh, the actor. Okay, good. Oh, uh, Kari God. Hiroyuki Tagawa, like perfectly captures Shang Tsung, and like he, I think he's the, to me, in my opinion, he's the saving grace of the movie. I think there's like, like the only thing that that stood out to me in this movie, or like that was salvageable, is is his performance. Like him as Shang Tsung is perfect, and I think they eventually used him in. Uh, in games, right? Didn't they use them in uh, recently? Yeah, in yeah. the latest one, yeah. Uh, and there's like at the very beginning, they have this really great shot where the camera pushes in, and you see all these Shaolin monks. Like they, like you see all these Shaolin monks on the side, and the camera pushes in, and then focuses right on Luke King's face, and you see like the temple in the background, and it's actually a really good shot. It's like a really amazing shot, and very engaging. So that was good. That one shot, and then. Um, I thought the production design was really uh, well done, um, but I thought they like lit it poorly. You know, like, it, it was lit like it was like a theme park with a lot of blues, and you know, it, it's like sometimes they put green filters on the camera, which is like garbage or blue filter. Um, so, but the actual sets were really well done. They just lit it poorly, so it didn't really bring out the like the beauty of the sets. So, yep. That's about it. It is an ugly <laughs> ass movie. Like yeah. last season, last season we ended talking about uh, Dragon Ball Evolution, which is an uglier looking movie. Can I give this movie some credit though, especially compared to the sequel? Again, I don't want to talk about the sequel too much, but like the 
I remember the CG being so terrible. The CG is actually pretty good for when this movie came out. Like, it's actually, like, pretty, like, decent. Um, the shot when, when the spear or when the, whatever the thing is coming out of Scorpion's hand, um, when he's, mo- when the camera is moving and he's moving, it actually traces pretty well for back then because everything back then, you had to do shot for shot for shot for shot. Uh, you know, they didn't have tracking back then. So, like, that actually looked pretty okay. The reptile thing looked absolutely sh- uh, terrible and shitty. But I have to give him credit. And I remember Goro looking terrible. I thought he looked awesome in this movie. I know he's also part animatronic, but Goro is I actually a straight think... up puppet. Um, you... Goro's a puppet. Oh, he is? Yes, he's a big old puppet. Oh, like, I don't know, I don't know why his mouth... His so, mouth... you know what's crazy? Oh, no animation, like, the... like so, that's puppetry. Frank Welker... Frank Welker actually voices Goro, and he did the voice of, like, Megatron and Ray Stan yeah. to the Ghostbusters cartoon. And so, but he also voices um, Station in uh, Bill and Ted Bogus Journey. So, and to me, so, like, Goro kind of looked like Station, and I was waiting for him to say Station! Because <laughs> he looked exactly like Station to me. I've never seen, Bo- I've never seen Bogus Journey, remember? <laughs> oh, seriously? Oh, that's... I've never we'll, seen, I, I, we'll rectify <laughs> that later in the later in the year. We'll rectify that. It's a great movie, but yeah, uh, yeah I, I I thought that was kind. Of, you know, Goro kind of looked like you know in um in like the Little Rascals when like little kids wanted to be an adult, so like one kid steps on the shoulder of another. Oh yeah, and puts a trench coat. Like that's what it looked like to me. Like well, it looked really goofy. Goro was done real. I mean, he had you. Had, they needed thirteen or what was it? I think eleven to thirteen or thirteen to sixteen people to work him at all times like yeah. i know i knew he was a puppet and or slash animatronic i thought some of him was cg but yeah never mind he looked awesome like he looked amazing that was some good effects and uh especially when you see sheena in the sequel <laughs> oh my god it's like it's like night and day. it's like it's like day and night or it's uh, like amazing and then crap it's and Sheena's goro, terrible. You, have to, you have to imagine though paul like seeing goro in particular in 1995, if you'd seen this movie then, you, I think you would have a yeah. different view of it. It's We see it Probably. now through modern eyes. Because, like, for example, Judy, I don't think, had ever seen the movie. And she she's watching it with my, my wife, for those of you who don't know. And she saw it, and she's kind of like with you with Goro. And with the CGI, she's like, it's bad. But it's at the same time, I think it's good for its day, other than Scorpion. Yeah. That's just bad no matter what, when. I'm not Scorpion, uh, Reptile. Reptile. It's just bad no matter yeah, what reptile way. Was bad. But I think, like, Goro is, is, it works. It might not hold up great because you know what it is, but you're seeing. But there's always something that tangible and real to it. It's a real thing you're seeing. And that's also one of my favorite fight sequences, even though he can't do much, the way Johnny Cage actually outsmarts him to defeat him. I actually like that because then you also get to see in that fight one of the few there's a couple times where they have these moments where we mentioned the Johnny Cage punch to the balls when he does his split that was you know from blood sport we see that there later on Luke Kang does his kick thing and Sonya Blade does a terrible so is it Blade or Blaze Blade Sonya Blade. Blade she does a terrible mm-hmm. version of her thing where she would oh, grab scissor kick the scissor kick yeah so like yeah. I, I like that those things were in there but as tyler said earlier the film was so poorly edited that they had actors Absolutely. they had actors that weren't the best actors i really like the guy who played johnny cage even though i can't remember his name and most of them yeah, I, really, much... I really thought i really love blue kang i thought he was amazing he was good i would say Sorry. amazing but he's good and he's like the one <laughs> legit martial artist of those three and yet even yes, his... robin shall yeah, and even his fight sequences are so horribly overly edited that you can't get a sense for what he's doing ever. You have the guy who's the Bruce Lee of this movie, and if you watch like this movie, it steals a, steals a lot, borrows a lot from Enter the Dragon, as does the game. Yet it doesn't copy the right things. It should look at that movie and how did they shoot the fight sequences in that movie? Sure, this is more sensational but for the most part the fights aren't that sensational other than a few moments and sure you might need to edit around them especially with the technology of the time but the whole movie is shot like that even the fight like uh tyler mentioned the fight with the guy with the sticks the the very first fight in the tournament it's a cool fight and you can see they're really going at it but then it's chop 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 edited all over the place so that you can't see and that's just a great fight you can just stage simply and just shoot the thing yeah um there were two things about this movie that I saw. I, I looked, I looked a little bit into it, um, especially about Paul W. S. Anderson. And 
this was like uh, his first like big 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 budget thing and he's never he never shot like real fight scenes before and the actor Luke Kang basically said yeah he gave him advice saying you need to use wide shots for this and close uh wide shots for uh for big moves and for less editing and close ups for the for the you know for the more edits and and for the kind of for like the the more weight of the fight and it was just really weird having your main actor telling you how to shoot a fight scene which is i guess also he, a good communication so maybe Cor- i maybe i re- maybe- real quick robin chu uh who played uh luke kang he is credited for coordinating some of the fight sequences too he's actually credited for oh that. cool yeah I, I, again i really i actually really think he did a really great job acting in it and his he's the only one that's just really really good and again him and that one stunt guy like try so hard in their fight scenes but if he choreographed it that makes way more sense too um and like the, the other thing about this movie is that like I've seen like like really amateur uh kung like kung fu movies from like the eighties and eighties uh, and like early nineties like with no budget at all whatsoever and maybe like some some kid they knew who like oh I heard you know how to edit a movie and the kid's like ah okay and they're and I'll do it for five dollars so I can get the soda and like and edit the movies and they're still edited better than Mortal Kombat one and two like it's it's, it's it's weird to me how poorly edited this movie when so many other fight movies look better. Like Street Fighter looks better, and oh my god, that is a, that 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 that's sentence. Bad. <laughs> that's that 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 tasted that, ta- that, like that tasted like gasoline. Uh, saying that sentence. So uh, yeah, like I just I just yeah. think that uh, you know as far as this movie, I, I think the reason why I'm so hard on it is because I'm not really nostalgic for Mortal Kombat, and as far as like, the last time I played a Mortal Kombat was Mortal Kombat Trilogy on PlayStation. And that was, like, half my life ago, basically. And I haven't really followed the mythology or followed the characters. And so watching this movie, it's like, it's like I, I just don't have that attachment. Um, as for, like, the difference is, like, Street Fighter, I, I've been playing it most of my life. And I still play it. And I, so I have that nostalgic attachment to it. So that if there's a movie that would came out, I'd probably be, um, give it more of the, the benefit of the doubt. Um, the thing, uh, another thing that really, uh, upsets me is like every time in a fight, you have to build tension between the two fighters. You know, you have to kind of do the, the, the DBZ stare down a little bit, you know, to kind of like a lot of times when they go into fights, they just start fighting and there's no tension built. And so you don't really know who to root for or who you should care for. It just happens, yeah. And then the fight ends. And to jump on that real quick, Paul, there's a there's a fight. I think it's it's I don't know. It's like Sonya when Sonya fi- is fighting Kano, I think. Then it cuts to Johnny Cage's fight with Scorpion in the forest, and and you have no sense like that fight had the, a start, and all of a sudden we just jump into the fight where they're in the forest and then they teleport through a portal and they're another place and sees the two of the best set pieces in the movie. They're awesome. That forest is spectacular. That set with all the things hanging, like Paul said, the way they shot it was just ridiculous. But you have these two really great set pieces. Awesome, awesome settings. But you have no sense for what's going on. Why is he fighting Scorpion? You at least get a sense, okay, why she was fighting him because that was a tournament fight. But is this a tournament fight? Like, what are the rules of this tournament? Another thing you could have done is you could have had Liu Kang, because Liu Kang was watching, and you could have had uh, Sonya be tempted to break Kano's neck, but Liu Kang said, hey, you're better than that. Like, you don't need to do this. You're better than he is. And then she decides to break his neck, and then you have a good character moment there. So totally. it's like they have the elements, but they just didn't use it in the right way to kind of enhance the story. And, oh, Hello Kitty. Um <laughs> <laughs> so the drink of champions over here. Yeah. So, so it's like they have all the elements there, but they just don't use them in the proper way to really uh you know, because I always think of it this way, like every character should their actions and their decisions should inform who they are as a character and uh you know and it should pro- like progress the story forward. So and and none of the characters' actions really progress the story forward in any way and and so you don't like how can you root for these characters when you don't know who they are so i root for them because i played the game but i can imagine somebody coming into this that hasn't played the game like who would they root for like who you know why would they care about these characters um 
Yeah, so, I think that's, that's I, I have I have like the nostalgia glasses for this movie. I was a fan of the games at the time, big time fan. So I had all these things established in my head. So I had a, I could make sense of things when it didn't make sense because I'm filling in those holes that the movie doesn't fill in for you. And that's a real big problem with the movie. And then you're, and again, I'm the one who likes this movie. The, the, the action is so poor. The acting is okay at best. I really, I love Johnny Cage. I think Robin Chu is really good. And we've already talked about, um, Shang Tsung, but it's, still that's not great even when they're they're like they're doing as good as they can with some really 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 rough material over here and yeah. no a thousand percent i don't blame the actors at all i i they're not they're, they're not the fault of this film well all but one but that's just that's it <laughs> so speaking of while we're on the actors let's talk about we have not mentioned at all lord raiden what do you think of yep, that casting choice? Yeah, you, gonna... you, yeah you, you set it up for me. So what do you what do you think of that casting well, it's choice? Well, it's funny because the, the originally it was supposed to go to Sean Connery. Sean Connery said no, and they go for his co-star um, on set. And, and there's, there's a lot of other stuff. Like, if you haven't looked at, like, the, the trivia and, like, the things behind this movie, uh, it was a really, really big deal for, uh, you know, to get Christopher Lambert. Uh, Lambert, right? Lambert, because he's yeah. French. <laughs> but it's not, yeah, like, he... Yeah, he's the biggest deal. Yeah, he's the a... he's the star of the movie. He's top billing. Like, yeah. <laughs> Go ahead, Tyler. Though, but um, I think, <laughs> um, I think it's interesting that he, uh, I, I apologize for all the insults and mockery and everything of Christian Bale's Batman. I didn't know that he was an homage to this movie to Raiden. Uh, the whole time? I'm just kidding. No, I hate his voice. No, he, I hate he, he him just, so no, much. He, in doesn't, he, doesn't, he doesn't talk like gravel. He just whispers everything. Whispers he just everything. talks like this the whole time. You find yeah, the Highlander. No, I know. You, I, was just, I, was, I was just trying to make a joke. He, his voice I am is from so Scotland. annoying. And yeah. I've never understood this, but people like love Raiden in this movie. Like, <laughs> love Raiden in this movie. I remember like, like growing up, like, and, like always. Love. Like, like not love. Like not love. So. No, 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 no. Especially compared to the actor from Annihilation, oh. people love him. And the thing is, and now watching this movie, I don't like him at all. And I need to rewatch Annihilation to see if I actually like that Raiden more because I, I remember like he, I mean, he was older in a completely different voice, but like I don't know. I also made, they made him jokey too, and I kind of like I don't know. I may I, if I go back and watch Annihilation, I may like the the other guy more. I hate him in this movie i think he's a great actor i think he i've seen him do well in other movies in this movie he actually cared about it he did reshoots for free um but yeah man he actually that, paid for I don't the know. Uh, the cast party the after yes i read that too for the cast party or whatever um and but i like yeah, I, I, his I, commitment to the film he has a you know he had a huge commit like he really was really committed yeah. to the film um i just don't think like I, I wanted. I always thought of Raiden as like Asian, you know, because when we're playing Mortal Kombat, he's he's Asian, and so I was, was hoping supposed that, to be. <laughs> yeah, he would be Asian, you know. Um, like Chow Yun Fat would have been a good because uh, he was big at the time, and I think that was kind of before he was big Raiden. here, though. Yeah, it was way was before. before. He was big here. Oh, was it? Yeah, because he kind of yeah. became big later with Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, and then transitioned to English language films. When was uh, Cr- Crouching Tiger? Was like ninety one. 98, 99, I think. Was it really oh, okay. the 90s? So that's a little too Wait. early, I get. Um, it's, it's definitely after this. Okay, yeah. I just, I just wish the actor that was Raiden was, was, um, you know, he was Asian. And then another thing is, uh, I needed Raiden to show his power at some point in the in the in the story. Like have Shang Tsung try to like you know kill our main characters, and then Raiden shows his power and shows why he's you know. A, a, a foil to uh, Shang Tsung, you know, he needed yeah. to display his power in some way for you to go, holy shit, Raiden is like, you know, he's a, he's a big deal. Like he's a, a thunder God. And, you know, they needed a moment like that. Um, but you know, they like, again, they, they have, <laughs> Oh my God. Wait, and I'm, I'm so sorry. Before I forget this, I love the fact that like, he got like Liu Kang's respect because he just flipped him. <laughs> at the monastery yeah, yeah, that was the most it, it was, was like, like watching right. it was 
it was like watching Steven Seagal now flip somebody. Like, it was just like, uh, uh-huh, you are Raiden! <laughs> and it's just like, I wish Raiden had the hat, you know? I know he always had the hat, you know? He did, he did a little bit. Two. At the beginning. Yeah, he did. He had the, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, at the beginning. Well, in the sequel, oh, he does not have the hat at all, and he has short hair. Is, so. is and, he's, the, and he's even whiter. He's way one? whiter in the second movie. Oh, yeah. he's, no. he's, 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 I can't think of the actor's name, but he's the guy who was one of the guys in the Warriors movie. Great film. And he was uh, the guy who oh, was... Oh, James Ramar. Yes, he was James originally Ramar. supposed to be Hicks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was really supposed to be Hicks in Alien, and then got oh, yeah? booted for Michael Bean. Yeah, so... You know who would have been a good Johnny Cage is Michael Bean. Because the guy that the actor was actually looked a lot like Michael Bean. Exactly. And so he should have been Michael Bean, and, and probably a little I too too old for Cage. their purposes at the point that point though. Oh, you think so? I'm I'm just guessing from their optics perspective. Anyway, uh, if so I remember with, correctly, with only Raiden, one only one. A- oh, sorry. I'm so sorry. Whoa. Go ahead, Tyler. No, I was gonna say in the sequel, only one actor return. Robert Shue. Yeah. Uh, he's the only actor oh. that returns. So isn't isn't this the same guy that plays Johnny Cage, but he dies instantly? Is it a different actor that dies? I believe it's if I remember correctly, it's yeah, it's it's Chris Conrad. Is, oh, so it's not even the same an, actor they got to come and die. Oh no, director, writers, everybody. Like the only person, yeah, the only the only two cast members are Robin Shue and Ed Boon. <laughs> so. <laughs> Get over here. Uh, so anyway, uh, with Raiden, uh, what I want to say was, as I was, I was watching it last night with Judy when I watched the movie, and Judy is, my wife is Asian, and the first thing she said, she she remembers the arcade games, and she, she remembered when she saw Raiden, she's like, oh, like Big Trouble in Little China. And I'm like, yes, exactly. It was a big influence on this, this movie and this game. And her yeah. next question was, wait, why isn't he Asian? was her instant question. I said, well, we t- what we talked about, he was the big star of the movie at the time. That's really why. But it's it's kind of one of those things where, yeah, why isn't he Asian? I mean, there's a reason for yeah. it, but at the same time, it just, the movie would have been better if he was Asian. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, this movie's a hot mess in many ways. It's a hot mess, but it's just like, it would have been nice if they did that one thing, you know, because, oh, yeah. you know, at the time, like, like I'm, I'm trying. I'm trying to put myself back as a 14 year old kid watching this movie, because uh, and and you know I, I can imagine if I watched this movie in theater, I would have wanted to see Raiden as as you know Asian and somebody that represent. Felt, I felt mm-hmm. represented me as opposed to Christopher Lambert, but yeah. that's just that's just me. Um, I mean, he did a fine job, I guess. I saw, I always see him as like Connor McCloud. And I can't unsee him as any. I can't see him as any other character, but he's always Connor McLeod. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I yeah, this movie was just a hot mess. Uh, I, I I wouldn't recommend it in any way, unless you want to make fun of it. I I was making fun of it. I was like, there's a lot of different like bad decisions that were made throughout this movie that uh, really cracked me up. Like, uh, I I thought it was funny how in the beginning Sony was in the rave and she's like hitting people with her gun. And then shoots some kind of gangster or something, and the gangster shoots back, and nobody in the rave is paying attention or acknowledges that there's like bullets flying. It is just like a party hard uh, nonsense. Yeah, yeah, man. Yeah. So real quick, what do you guys think of which was famous at the time, the Mortal Kombat like dance mix music? This this movie was really aggressive with the music. I looked in the credits. Buckethead, the guitarist, is credited as like special guitarist or something crazy. So this the soundtrack was so aggressive and intense with this movie right at the beginning too. Over the credits, like the I'm not even gonna do the the craziness of the theme, but it comes right at you. Well, I also love the fact that 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 um, Sub Zero. They, that they had, like, I think, Reptile. (laughs) (laughs) Poor Tyler. Tyler's trying to say something real. Tyler. I know, Tyler's, like, trying to have a moment, and we're just like, (laughs) Sonya Blade. Gino. Yeah, I know. We're not freaking out. Well, I think, like, another back, like, behind the scenes thing is, like, they were so aggressive about about the soundtrack that they said, we want dance kind of music. And if you don't, if you production company, if you don't want it, then we're walking. Like, they walked from Sony. They walked from somebody else. And uh, I think it was, like, Universal or something like that. Or whoever. Yeah. Like, the two studios, they basically, like, you know, the studio said, yeah, we, we don't want 
we don't want you to use this music. We got to, we want you to use these, this music. And they go, okay, cool. Bye. And, uh, it, they're like, yeah, I don't know. I, I hate the music, but I also know that it like sold insanely well. And I had the soundtrack when I was a kid. Yeah. Anyway. Cause that's, yeah, that was a big deal at the time. So. The soundtrack itself, but the soundtrack was like its own thing from the movie. And it really watch within the movie. It hurts yeah. the movie. It, the song is as awesome as, and fun, but in the movie, as far as the nineties, this is like the Tron legacy of the nineties <laughs> where the soundtrack is like the thing that is really shines, you know, more so than the movie. I mean, people still talk about this Daft movie Punk and whoever did the today. song for this. Yes. Did Daft Punk do this one too? Uh, <laughs> <no>. <laughs> the first thing they ever. Were, they were like, they were yeah, like, they were like, they were like, they were gods at this time. They couldn't afford them. Um, <laughs> uh, oh, so like, uh, so this this song reminds me of high school when my we had these rallies and there was like this breakdancing troupe that would always play this song and breakdance to it. So like when I heard this song, I just like I had a flashback to those <laughs> to them breakdancing in my high school rallies. So brought me it's back amazing. to the nineties. So so the last thing I have a question for you guys, and I don't think it needs a long thought out response what do you think would this movie have been better all things being equal if it were rated r no i don't think they knew what they wanted i um no i don't think so i mean it would have just been gore that's all it would have been in some cursing i mean look back at all the 90s rated r uh, action movies it, it got lazy it wasn't a it it would have been the exact same movie with just gore and cursing. That's all it would have been. What do you think, Paul? Um, I would say yes. Uh, I, I think it lost a lot of its edge by being PG-13. Um, or at the very least, edit it so that there's some parts that have blood and still kind of, like, reach the limits of that PG-13, you know? Yeah. Because I'm sure, like, you have PG-13, you could have some blood in it, like, you know, Temple of Doom is is uh, you know like a guy's heart. That's why they invented PG thirteen. That was why it was yeah. invented for Spielberg. <laughs> yeah, so PG thirteen, like there's some limits to that. It's, so they could have had parts where there's blood, or you know, not be overly gory. Um, but I definitely think that, yeah, I think if it was R rated, it would have matched the tone of the actual game a lot better, and mm-hmm. I, th- I think it would it just would have been a better movie. Uh, in that regard, as far as story wise, everything else, not so much. I don't think it would really would have added to the story. It just would have been more faithful to the, the actual game itself. The material, yeah. yeah. So it'd be just a little bit better. And I think, yeah, so, I think it gives you. I think it would have made it better because it would have given you something to focus on and talk about. Because because basically what it is is me as a fan who likes this movie. A lot of what I have to do is sort of justify that liking of the movie despite the obvious flaws. So that would have been another mm. thing to point. It's like, yeah, but. Remember when he punched her head off and then they got the spikes and there was the blood everywhere? That was what yeah. was missing. Because that was what in the game, especially the early games. Like, I wasn't aware of the intricacies of the plot. I just knew these characters were going to fight each other and you'd get the fatality at the end. And this game really didn't have fatalities as we know them. The only two were, like, Sub-Zero involved. The one where he freezes that guy and that guy breaks apart and his head rolls off. So when they can freeze it, that's how they can push that PG-13 limit. And then the part with yeah. use the element that brings life in the water spike that s- stabs him. Those are the only parts where kind of push those I, limits. And I was like, we need more of those. We didn't. We need one from Scorpion. We need like certainly at least from Scorpion and Sub Zero that we yeah. didn't get. So yeah. Granted, they did bring in a. They did actually add in a friendship. Uh, one which I loved, which was the Johnny Cage signing his autograph. No, that was that was a. I, uh, yes, true, good. Oh was, yeah, to my greatest fan. One. Yeah. 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 So yeah, like, was, like which is which is from which is from Mortal Kombat two the friendship the babalities and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, so. so they had a nice little touch there. So yeah, but I think I agree. It wouldn't have saved the movie, and it wouldn't be a classic, but it would be truer to the game and a better movie. It's kind of the thing you could hang your hat on. And well, one last thing is like I, I think that actually it would have hurt the movie. I don't think people would have seen the movie. I, don't, I mean, it would have had a lot more restricted audience, and I don't think it, people would be talking about it still today. Uh, the movie that is, like, you know, I think, I, I, I think if it had been rated R, it would honestly would have hurt the movie. I don't think it would have been a cult following. I think it would have been like, oh, that was a bad rated R movie. 
Uh, and now, and I think honestly, people would probably be talking way more about Street Fighter than it. <laughs> Maybe true. Today, Maybe like, true. Yeah. Maybe true. Paul, what were you gonna say? Oh, I, I mean, I, th- I think of it this way: as as far as uh, marketing, I think, um, you know, that that's like the thing about Mortal Kombat is like it was like a dirty little secret that kids had. You know, like it was like this thing that it's like, oh my god, there's blood and guts! Like, ho- holy shit! Like, this is crazy. And if you extend that to the movie, it would kind of make it like Mortal Kombat would be kind of like that dirty little secret, like that that appeals to kids, you know, uh, in that way that it's like, oh, look at this. Look what I found. It's like kind of taboo. And, our, you know, our parents don't know about it. Like we're watching this movie and our parents don't know about it. It's like because like, you know, when you're a little kid, you you appreciate little things like that, like those things that are like kind of risque and that your parents would kind of you to get in trouble for basically. And so I think, and also as far as marketing, it would have helped the mark. I think this movie, I'm pretty sure this movie was successful. Um, well, definitely and, made but, money back. Uh, especially in yeah. I, and I, I think uh, it would have been more so uh, if, if it was, you know, had that R rating and kind of tested the boundaries of that. Um, Cause I'm cause, assuming if it's R rating, the, the, what makes it rated R is sensational finishers. That are just yeah. like that's why so I'm saying it's not just it's like not just the... bloody, it's sensationally bloody as the game was. Because that's really what set the game apart. Like Paul said, it was that dirty little secret because it was so over the top. And I understand though, they they were marketing this movie to me. I was what, thirteen at the time, I think, twelve or thirteen. They were marketing this movie to me. They wanted me to be Absolutely. able to see this movie, and I get that. So I understand that. And if it was rated R, I would have never I would have seen it on VHS. I would have been able to do that, but I would you know, never honestly, have been able to see the, the theater. You know, I think that's why I, did, I didn't watch it at the time because I was really into Mortal Kombat. I was like, <laughs> I would go to the arcades. I bought the comic book, you know. Uh, I, I played Mortal Kombat two every chance I could get, but I made a, tw- a, a point not to see the movie. And so I, I, you know, I'm pretty sure that's probably why I didn't see it is because it felt neutered. It didn't really feel like Mortal Kombat. And uh, so, I mean, watching it now, um, I mean. It's it's not it's not you know not very good. I I don't really want to revisit it at any point. Um, I you know it's it's it, I don't feel like it's a waste of time or it didn't make me miserable. It's just like it just is what it is. I, I don't see why it's a has a cult following or people hey, why people like enjoy it. I still. give it my softest possible recommendation. The soft I give it. <laughs> I don't give it a recommendation at all. I say I like avoid it. this I, movie. I, I say watch it and watch it with me, and you'll like it. But you have to be in I the room with me. Not a, you should watch it to figure out what not to do. Yeah, on DHS you know, like in my mom and movie. dad's house. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> and then you will like um, it. <laughs> but I am excited for the new movie, and I hope that they do good things. I remember the web series uh, Legacy, and I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Uh, you know, and so I'm excited to see what they do with the new movie on HBO Max. Yeah, so check that out. Yeah. Any final thoughts on Mortal Kombat? No, none. Nothing uh, left to say. I mean, again, it's not as bad. <laughs> I mean, it's not as bad as the sequel, and that's that's all I have to say. I don't know. <laughs> I don't. I don't. I, yeah, I just. I think you've I said it, Paul. You've said it, Paul. You're just yeah, going to say I the don't same recommend thing. It. <laughs> It's yeah. like a you've D you've, plus. you've not recommended this movie like ten times in a row right now. You're like I'm not recommending, yeah. it, not recommending. It. So Paul, where can we find you on the interwebs? Um, oh, it's on Instagram at uh, Arcade Blackfire with a Y, uh, and Facebook. And mostly, I just share our. <laughs> I'll put some kind of like sarcastic comment and then share the episode on Facebook. You can find me on Facebook too. I've been trying to post on there a little bit, so and you can find me by my name, Paul. <laughs> Paul with an H. All right. So you can find me on YouTube at Josiah is right W R I T E and Instagram as well Josiah is right, where I make things where I defend Mortal Kombat from my friends who don't like it as much as me, basically. So be sure to find me there <laughs> and subscribe to our YouTube channel here, whether you're watching the, watching this. If you're watching it, you're on YouTube. But if you're listening on some other podcast app, hop over YouTube and subscribe. We are continuing yeah. in season two, our T-shirt giveaway. So if you're subscribed to my channel, Josiah's right, and you're subscribed to this channel, you could win a free T-shirt just by subscribing to both channels. So be sure to do Woo! that. I'm wearing a All gathering right. shirt today, too. So this is one of what you can win. I saw. You can win this shirt. 
Not the one I'm if wearing. If you listen to this podcast and you love it, by all means, share it. Tell you tell your friends about it. You know, mm-hmm. and and we'd love to have more listeners. And if you enjoy it, you know, spread that, spread the word. Absolutely. Alrighty, and thank you for listening in. You can check out all of our shows and offerings on thegrandgeekgathering.com where we have articles, videos, and so much more. If you're not following us on YouTube, we have so much stuff here. Like, we have our Burn After Pitching, our Most Extreme Ranking Challenge, our Gamer Culture, and this awesome show. And you can go back to our first season and listen as we progress, you know, in quality and whatnot. I also stream on Twitch as well. We have Discord. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and everything else. The music has been provided by Carlisle Laurent. Have a wonderful week. Wear a mask and GGG. GGG. Welcome to Silver Screen. I got to take you with a